this episode. Even though we've got the technological expertise in the room, these projects are still failing. It's to do with how people are communicating. We're going to tell the story. It's almost like a Hollywood production. So much so that he would give cough drops to his audience before he started so that they wouldn't cough. He's working really hard and he's in pain just to get the sound out that he wants. Because the other day you were sort of saying you're very excited that your keyboard arrived from the UK. <laughs> yeah. I assumed that that was your keyboard for your computer, but no, no. <laughs> These are really great questions. Right. <laughs> Welcome to Anecdotally Speaking, a podcast to help you build your business story repertoire. Hi, everybody. I'm Sean Callahan. And hi, everybody. I'm Mark Shank. Well, we've got a great episode for you today. Uh, we have a special guest and we'll introduce him in just a moment. But before we do, I've got a bit of housekeeping. The two programs I want you to sort of look out for, just go to our website, go to the events page. You'll sort of see them all listed there. But the two that I'd like you to take a look at, one is called Story Powered Data. And that's all about, you know, really helping bring your data to life. You know, all those, all those charts, all those tables. How do you influence and persuade people based on telling the story of your data? Okay. And the second program is our Storytelling for Leaders program. So we've got two public programs coming up and it would be great for you to, to, to come along. Uh, you know, it's, it's, it's perfect for a leader, again, who needs to engage their employees to, to be able to influence, to be able to surprise, and most importantly, probably help people understand what's really going on in an organisation in a clear, you know, sort of uh, clear and, and uh, you know, straightforward way. Right. So check those programs out there under the events page. But Mark, I'm going to throw to you, mate. Uh, you yep. have someone to, to introduce, of course, to our episode today. Yep. Well, a few years ago, uh, I was in Amsterdam and I met a young fella called Rob Grundell. And he went on to become one of our partners and has done a great job delivering programs for us uh, for uh, quite a few years. And it's great to announce that Rob Rob has moved back to Australia from he was based in the UK, moved back to Australia and joined the anecdote team only a few days ago. And so today is his third day and his first time on the podcast. Rob, welcome to Anecdote and welcome to the podcast. Yeah, welcome, Rod. Great to have you here. Thanks, Mark and Sean. It's so great to be here. It's very exciting. This is my day three and we're already doing this. See, you're on the podcast, exactly. so you can tick that off, right? Yeah. Done. Yeah. So, Rob, a little bit about yourself, and I guess I'd be really interested if you could share yeah, a bit of the journey about how it is that you come to be here. Yeah. Um, as with all these journeys, it's never a straight line, but um, I started my own storytelling consultancy in, uh, in the UK called Some Kind, and I did that mainly um, because... I come. I was a software developer in my early career, and um, so many of the projects that I was on would fail. <laughs> time and time again, projects would fail, and we'd have really, really smart people working on them. And so I got really interested in this human problem of, even though we've got the techno technological expertise in the room, these projects are still failing. It's to do with how people are communicating. So I started um, my story consultancy, some kind, to really. I was really curious about this problem to um, help with this problem. And because I was in the tech world, I would be working with um, startups and, um, uh, you know, tech companies um, on these problems. 
But after a few years, I'll be honest, I got a little bit bored with it. And I thought, I'd love to get into the leadership space because I can see that's actually where the most impact would be. Now, I had no real leadership experience. And I thought, well, I could spend the next five years developing my own storytelling leadership program. Or I could see what's already out there on the market. So I did a Google um, tour around the world of all these different storytelling programs. And in fact, I almost associated with one of um, Anecdote's competitors. And I'm very glad that I didn't. Uh, we because... are too. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, and what I saw with most of these other programs was that um, it was always monumental. We're gonna, they're going to do this one massive big thing. I'm going to, we're going to do this, like, you know, the, the classic town hall thing. We're going to tell the story. It's almost like a Hollywood production. And then I came across the anecdote product because the thing that matters to me so much is actually something being impactful. And I saw here's, here's actually a really powerful, simple, I don't want to say humble, but it's, it is in some ways. It's like, it's, there's some work you have to do to, to actually make this work, but it will, and it will work for you. And, um, I love that. And then, so already on, on the surface, the program looked amazing. And then when I met, um, met you guys, I think we spoke first. And then, um, as Mark said, we met in Amsterdam. Once I met you, it was, then the, the deal was sealed. It was like, this, these are people that I want to work with. And um, every time I've delivered the course, um, I've been surprised by the, and this is um, storytelling for leaders that I was delivering in the UK. The thing that's never ceased to surprise me or amaze me is how powerful and simple it is equally yeah. so that, that's, yeah. that's, why, that's why i'm here so yeah and then coming back to australia mark we, we spoke and then uh here we are how, yeah. yeah how long were you in the uk for rob uh 12 years sean 12 years yeah. right so you were really established over there weren't you yes um yeah, yeah it was and um the, my consultancy even even starting my consultancy there that was a huge shift for me like going from a fixed job to, um, you know, running your own business. It's a massive shift, but yeah. every, so many things have happened because of it. So giving that up was a really hard thing. So I'm actually really grateful to have an opportunity uh, to continue the work, you know, continue to thread, you know. Yes. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Of, of the work that was there. Yeah. I, I remember, oh, that can't remember. It was a few years ago. I remember I gave you a call and said, hey, Rob, got a bit of a, uh, got a bit of a pickle here. Um, and it was a uh, it was a, 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 a program for Accenture, and it was in Madrid. And thank goodness you were able to uh, get across to Madrid and deliver the program. And the feedback we got uh, was uh, was awesome. So yeah, I remember you really helping us out with that one. <laughs> that All that in Spanish, great. I guess. Uh, uh, no, no, it was it was. <laughs> I'm, I'm fluent, Sean. I'm fluent. In fact, I learned it that afternoon, and then I flew over. Yeah, right. Exactly. <laughs> good. 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 Well, we know what the, the job is in this episode, right? And that is to share a story that our listeners might be able to retell uh, in their organization, you know, so to, to make a business point. Okay. So, Rob, I believe you have a, an anecdote you can share with us uh, and we can go through our normal process, right? Sounds Fantastic. great. So um, this takes place in 1975 in Cologne. Uh, and there's a young lady called Vera Brandes, she's 17, and she's a jazz fan. And she's invited 
the American jazz pianist Keith Jarrett, who was huge at the time, one of the best solo jazz pianists of all time, to play in Cologne at the Opera House. Um, Keith Jarrett has agreed and he specified, uh, this is the piano that you need to have ready for me. It's a Bösendorfer grand piano. It's a very specific piano. It's got a very specific character. And Keith was a notorious perfectionist. Um, so much so that he would give cough drops to his audience before he started so that they wouldn't cough. And if they did cough, sometimes he would stop the concerts. This is the kind of level that Keith is at. So Keith arrives. He's got, he's in, he's got back pain. He's driven from Zurich all the way to Cologne. It's a four-hour drive. So he's in pain. And then he gets into the opera house and he asks to see the piano. And they wheel this piano out. And it is a Bösendorfer, but it's a baby grand. It's a lot smaller. And not only that, it's been used for all the opera rehearsals. So it's out of tune. It's really thin in the upper register, really weak in the bass. This is a really poor piano. Keith Jarrett is livid. You've brought me all the way out here for this. I'm not going to play this piano. I'm going back to the hotel. My back is in agony. He gets into the car ready to drive back to the hotel. It's raining. Vera runs after him in the rain while Keith winds down the window. She pleads to him, please play this concert. I've got 1,300 people coming to the opera house tonight to hear you play. Finally, she convinces him. So then the engineers start working on this piano, trying to make it semi-in-tune and semi-playable, and they get it to some kind of state, but still far below the standard that Keith would be used for. Um, Travelling with Keith is an engineer called Manfred Eichner, uh, who's been recording concerts, and Keith tells him to record this concert in particular because he wants to use it as a cautionary tale for any future promoters. So... The uh, concert starts, it's 11.30 at night. Uh, Vera has managed to convince the uh, opera house people to lend her this, op- uh, this venue because uh, after the, you know, the main opera has been and now it's the late night concert. 1,300 people are in the crowd. And you can actually hear um, this recording. It's called the, uh, the Kern Concert from 1975. And throughout it, you'll hear Keith just groaning and also he has to do all these other things on the piano that he wouldn't normally do to get a full sound out of it he has to do all these ostinatos in the left hand you know he's he's working really hard and he's in pain just to get the sound out that he wants they end up releasing um, as i say the the album and it becomes the best-selling solo jazz piano album of all time it's so good. I got tingles up my spine for that one. You know, it's uh, it's a lovely, lovely tale, isn't it? Uh, I love all the details in that. It's just so, it's just absolutely replete with uh, lovely details. Now, we should have told everyone that you actually have a, a musical background, don't you, Rob? You know, you have um, an interest in, because the other day you were sort of saying you're very excited that your keyboard arrived from the UK. <laughs> yeah. I assume that that was your keyboard for your computer, but no, no. <laughs> no, exactly. This story has a, I have a, um, a vested interest in this story as well. I, yeah, I, I love playing piano. Yeah, right. There you go. Okay, let's, let's have a talk about things that we really like about this story, you know, um, to throw in thoughts. Uh, Mark. Well, uh, as you've already mentioned, the detail uh, and, and the Rob's affinity with the topic is obvious and his ability to relate those, the, all the terms, you know, the 
you know the lower register and the upper bit you know thin in the upper right uh really uh adds to the adds to the story without overwhelming it so that was really good and also the the names so you know vera uh, uh keith jarrett uh the bosendorfer mm-hmm. right uh and of course uh you know the unsung hero of this manfred eichner the guy <laughs> who recorded it yeah. yeah that's right there'd be no album without manfred right yeah so Oh, the other thing I liked is uh, uh, under three minutes. That's that was less than three minutes for that story. So, yeah, that's a that's a that's a quick story, isn't it? What yeah. what do you like telling about that story? Like, what do you enjoy in telling that story, Rob? I there's a few things I like about it. Um, I I think the surprise is really good. I think just I think I think the the end point I think is um, the surprise is huge. I think, and the other part is that. Um, Keith Jarrett isn't particularly likable. <laughs> like he's a he's a grump. I'm not saying he's a, he's a villain, but he's definitely a grump. And I, and I I think um that's what gives this story so much life. And maybe we actually we can relate to that. We can relate to um things not going our way and um kind of feeling that kind of self-righteousness of like, well, no, I want things my way. You know, <laughs> he takes it to an extreme, but I I, I like that here's a person who is not scared to um, to ask for what he wants and still he goes through with it and actually surprises himself. So actually the transformation for him in this is really, um, uh, I, I really like that as part of the story. And yeah, I love telling it just because um, it is so evocative, right? Yes. You know, and I, I like this. It's also one of those stories that you could, if you were giving a keynote, this could form the backbone of your entire keynote. You know, So that was the three-minute version. You could tell a much longer version of that story and still be incredibly um, uh, impactful and engaging. Yes. That's so true, isn't it? Uh, I was thinking too that, I mean, one of the other nice things about that story is that the the twist of the story or the punchline comes at the last sentence. You know, it's the very last thing you say in that story. Um, and I was I was chatting to to Mike, you know, who you've all heard on the on the um, podcast recently about how our brains are, are so geared to prediction. You know, we're always listening and trying to predict what will happen next. And so you're giving us all this material to, to make these predictions. You know, he's got a sore back. He's a grumpy, you know, so and so. You know, he's got this 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 piano he doesn't like. And, and so one of the potential predictions is this is going to be a disaster, uh, you know, sort of, you know, sort of presentation concept, right? And, but of course that, that would be the prediction that would give no attention, right? If you, if that was the story that that you have no story, right? So I think what's lovely is any story that has a twist. And then when, after you hear the twist, everything sort of falls into place and you go, yeah, of course. Of course that happened. Right? Yeah. Like that just perfect. It's all perfect, meaningful and sense-making, uh, you know, sets of sets of events, right? For yeah. sure. When I was when I was thinking about the story earlier today, I was also thinking the, the um another prediction that one might make as you go through it is uh something might happen to Vera, right? The the transformation might not be for Keith in this story, but the transformation might be for Vera. What happened even if it was a disaster, what might happen to Vera next? Or something Yes. You know, like there 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 are so perhaps because there are a few different exit points of this story. Yeah. Uh it keeps it definitely keeps the interest. 
Yes. Yeah, and it's it's you're absolutely right. It's like the story of the first running of the four minute mile, and you know Bannister is the hero, but the other the other guys that ran with him on that day they played an incredibly important role, and you can focus a lot of your attention on the role that they played in supporting Bannister yeah. to get across the line. And same here with Vera. Yes. Mm. I did like that scene where she's out in the rain, you know, trying to convince him through the window of his car. You know, to me, that that was evocative. Yeah. Uh, I really enjoyed that. Um, no, that's that's a good story. What is there anything that we can suggest, you know, if you were to play it again, is there anything that you would change, uh, tell differently? What do you think, Mark? Yeah, I've, I've got one. Yeah. I've got one. And that is the why for Vera. Why was this important to Vera? You know, what was happening? You mentioned that she was 17 years old, and so I'm going, oh, what's going on there? And so the that for me is a big one. What was what was going on? Why was this important to Vera? Why was she in the rain? What was the obstacle? Yeah. And uh, so that in for me, that little detail uh, would help flesh out uh, that story and make it perhaps even a little bit better. That's really good. I think there's two parts to it there. One is why she's organizing jazz concerts in the first place. Like already that's quite curious that this 17 year old has managed to negotiate with the, you know, the Cologne Opera House, um, how to, <laughs> to, to run these jazz concerts. So even yeah. that, that is interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, and maybe I didn't make it clear enough, but there, there were 1300 people coming. And so the stakes for this, um, maybe that, that could be upped as well, right? The stakes of 1300 people coming, they're arriving, at, you know, um, I, I actually, when I was re, rereading the story, there was, that detail was important. Does he refuse to play when the people are already arriving, or is it earlier in the day? Because that makes you know that could make a big difference as well. Yeah, yeah. Did yeah. Did, did you find out anything more about Vera? Like, like how how does a seventeen year old get something like that together? Did she have a, she was a, a well off, well to do sort of person from That's a well off family? Or these uh, are really great questions. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Someone needs yeah. to write a biography yeah. on this. Yes. Yeah. But, sure but these are, one. again, this is not about getting the perfect story. It's about the sort of things that we would normally think about in terms of getting, you know, making that story even better. So yeah. it was a crackerjack story. Uh, um, can, can I just share with you this morning? I went for my morning walk and uh, I walk with uh, a friend of mine who's a, who's a engineer. And I have to give a talk to 80 engineers tomorrow. Right, and I have a story that I want to tell, and so I thought, well, oh, well, I'll give it a give it a bit of a crack with my engineer uh, friend. So I told the story, and there was a bit in the story about um, spot. I was saying spot welding, you know, like oh, then you spot weld this, and at the end of the story, my friend says, I don't think you should say spot weld. You know, spot welds are something that you do at home. It's a sort of a handyman <laughs> thing. You're talking about a skyscraper. They don't spot weld, right, in this sort of situation. And it was so good to, you know, get that little detail because that's the sort of thing that, I don't know, I'm just sort of thinking about, you know, you go that next layer down, trying it out, trying the story out with someone who's reflective of the audience that you're going to tell mm-hmm. is so valuable, right? Mm-hmm. He gave me a few good tips and, you know, I'm sure the story will be a lot better tomorrow. Yeah. yeah. And that's one of the things about practising a story is about practising on, on an audience that re- Sorry, practicing with somebody who is representative of your audience. Yeah, and I remember years ago I gave a uh, I gave a talk. You were actually in the room that day when I gave the talk, and and I told a connection story that I'd practiced with you, and um, um, one of the ladies in the audience got offended by it, 
and 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 other people were going no no there's no reason to be offended and yeah and maybe she did overact but the reality is i did not practice that story with a relevant with a representative audience hmm. so i i made a, a big blue blindsided yeah yep. but yep. but it was it, it's just process that let me down right? yes yeah exactly cool okay um anything else oh, we should we should talk about where we might use this story like what situations uh have you um, i got a sense you've told that story uh before right rob have you used it in a live uh scenario where you know with uh with people you you might try to you know use it to make a business point i don't i don't remember any specific instances but i know when i have told it the type the kinds of times i have told it um is when i've been in the situation for instance we've turned up um at a workshop venue and the room is not up to spec so there, there you know um, i remember once going into glasgow uh, we had a uh, i was working with an accountancy and um we were doing a vision setting day and we walk into this room and there are no windows and the ceiling is almost up to my head and it's like okay so we have to we have to imagine our vision um so those that would be the kind of circumstance um under which i've told that story before where it's like where actually i noticed my own grumpiness i, I remember walking into that room in glasgow and being so mad I was so mad that that leadership was so short-sighted that they would book a room like this. Of course, this is what's important to me is what the room looks like. They've just booked a room, right? But, but you know, <laughs> this is not my Bösendorfer. Yeah, yeah, right. And so, well, but, but, it, but the room is, as a facilitator, the room is in some ways your instrument. You know, it's no, part ma of... Massively. And so yeah. I'll, I'll get mad when, when things haven't thought about it. So whenever I notice that, uh, that I get mad about a circumstance under which I have to, quote-unquote, perform... Um, that's that's been the times that I've that I've told that story. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. And I I have been absolutely in the same position uh, many times where I've walked into a room and 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 literally been mad. You know, not not yelling angry, but really you know seething <laughs> that it was completely unsuitable for the purpose. Yeah, um, yeah. So, and I, I I really like this story because it's kind of been a category that I don't have many stories about, which is about, you know, something, this is, for me, it's about making the most of what you've got, mm -hmm. doing the best with what you've got. And um, so that would be one of the, you know, so you mentioned imperfect conditions and yep. that's a, you know, and, and it's very closely related to my point, but, you know, which is sometimes you just got to make the best of what you've got. Yeah. Yeah. And maybe, and maybe also, and maybe also that, that there is a collective curio. If if you're like with a group of people and you're faced with those conditions, um, not to put too much expectation on the outcome, but actually think about what's our approach into it. How are we going to? How are we going to play this piano? Is it maybe a much more important question than what are we hoping to get? Like no one at any point said we're about to record the best-selling solo jazz piano record of all time right no one said that and in those conditions you could never say that but what because here this may be another point of the story keith is an unbelievable pianist if that had been me i would not have produced the number one album of all time but because here is someone who's actually really skilled he's able to still use this so maybe there's another point there about um uh how expertise comes uh, comes to the fore. 
I wonder too, you know, have you ever seen the album? Like, have you got the actual album that I've 1975? I've listened album? to it. Yes, I've have listened it? to it. I'm wondering, does it have the, the, this story on the album? I've only listened uh, yeah. to it on Spotify. It's a good question. Yeah, because I can just imagine that in 1975, this comes out. And that story would actually propel this album, uh, as well as the, the the amazing musicianship of the of the person you know playing the piano. So um, yeah, just yeah, I wonder how what role that played. And I also wonder if this story could be used. Um, I might throw this to you guys. Like, there's one word that I hear all the time that frustrates me a little bit because it's one of those words that's everywhere is the word disruption, which is like, how do we um, disrupt? But often disruption happens in a, in a um, disruption often doesn't happen in perfect conditions, right? It's, uh, it's always invention is the mother of necessity. No, necessity around. is the mother of invention. Is, thank yeah. you. Yes. Um, and so I'm wondering if this story has an echo of that as well. Yeah, I, I think it does. And I'd, I'd take even one step further, which is uh, this picking up on the theme of expertise, is that if I was trying to encourage people to develop their capability in a particular area, then this story could be fantastic to do that. Folks, you're going to find yourselves in positions where it's, but if you're good at what you do, mm. you can adapt. You can improvise, you can overcome, but you need the skills. So yeah, something like that. And in fact, storytelling, you know, talking to people about their acquisition of, of the skill of storytelling. Uh, this could be a story about, you know, folks, you can do this, but you've got, you know, you've got to be good at what you do. So uh, I, I, I really love that. And the, in fact, the more we talk, the more, I, the more potential business applications of this story are emerging. Mm. Yeah, it's a good one. And I'm, I'm sorry, I'm just going to one more. I'm I'm uh, rem reminded of the scene from Apollo 13, the right. movie Apollo 13, okay. where the um, the the guy at the uh, mission controller in Ed Harris, uh, yeah. Ed Harris, yeah. uh, somebody says, "Oh, this is going to be the NASA's biggest disaster ever." I was the PR person. This is going to be NASA's biggest disaster ever because it looked like they're going to. And mm. and Nat and Ed Harris turns around and says. This is going to be our finest hour, ah. and that flip, you know, that that mindset, you know. So it could have been a big disaster that concert, but it actually turned out to be the best album, jazz piano. Album. Anyway, I like that one as well. Yeah, it's so interesting. Well. Let's give this story a rating. You know, we have to do this, right? And um, I think well, it was Rob's story, so I won't start there. So, Mark, yeah, I'm going to give, mate? I'm giving, I'm giving the story a nine. A nine? Oh yep. my god! Love it. That is one hell of a uh, rating. I, I wasn't even going to go that high. I wasn't going to go a seven though. <laughs> I, was, I was holding back off a of seven. No. I had eight and a half in my mind. It is a cracking story. Rob, what do you, what do you give this out of 10, you know, out of your pantheon of stories told? I mean, because of how much I relate to it and how much I enjoy telling it, I give it a nine as well. Fantastic. Yeah. Well, that's All good. Right. Well, this it? is one kick-ass story. Beautiful. Well, guys, if this story sparks some ideas of other stories that are like this or you know, triggers some thoughts on other examples, throw them in the comments, get in 
touch with us. We'd love to hear, uh, you know, what stories are working for you. We, we get a lot of feedback from, from our listeners of examples of how they put the stories, you know, into practice, which is what it's all about, right? Yeah, and the other stories that are triggered by, you know, their own stories that uh, that come up when they hear them. So love, love that. And yeah. I just want to finish by saying, Rob, it's wonderful to have you on board at Anecdote, and uh, I hope you're enjoying us. Hope you're enjoying it, and I hope you have a wonderful ride. Uh, this has been a joy today, and uh, it's, yeah, I'm very excited. The the journey looks good. Excellent. Well, thanks everyone for listening to Anecdotally Speaking, and yeah, of course, tune in next week. We're going to have another episode for everyone to put your stories to work. Bye for now. Anecdotally speaking, was engineered by Dave Stokes from author to audio.